0: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP-01005. My next guest on the program is a regular. and We often get him on to talk about the state of Australian rugby. His name is Peter Mears. Now he has two passions, that's sport and books. What a lot of people won't be aware of, that he's written six non-fiction books on sport. And he has just released his first novel. Now, Peter was a first-grade cricketer. He retired at 22 years of age to become a sports commentator with the ABC. He worked at two Olympic Games, as well as six Commonwealth Games, including the 1982 Brisbane Games, for which he was the TV anchor. These days, he lives on Queensland's Sunshine Coast. The book that is about to be released is called The Long Shot. Now, I'll give you just a little synopsis on it. Uh, because we don't want to give anything away, really, or we're not going to give anything away, because we want to encourage people in this part of the world to at least order it, try and buy it, because it is different. So, high-stakes gambling, murder and cricket, an unlikely mix? Perhaps in the genteel days of games on the Village Green, but not so now. The introduction of sports betting has changed the game for players and fans alike. Millions change hands with every match. As the financial incentive grows, so too does the temptation to cheat perhaps even commit murder. and This is where the book The Long Shot starts to focus. The brief outline, a brilliant young South African batsman, Winston Longa, is assassinated in a test match at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Then enters Lucas Fox, commentator on Private Eye, who witnesses the killing and sets out to find the culprit. The author, Peter Meers, joins us on the programme. Peter, good evening, Welcome.
1: Oh, what a, that's a wonderful uh, synopsis of what of the book. What, you, you've really done your homework.
0: Well, Peter, uh, mate, I, I think it deserves it. What, how long has this been, um, how long has it taken to actually release this book? How long has it been in the planning? When did you first come up with the idea?
1: 1993, you may remember Monica Sellis got stabbed in the back at a tennis tournament,
0: which yes, virtually
1: ver- ended yep. her career. And I just couldn't believe that something like that could happen to a sports star. But when I thought about it, I reckon that sports stars are actually very vulnerable because they're on the stage in a public eye and they're open to attack from any terrorist or nutter that wants to have a go at them, make a name for themselves. And so that was the genesis of the idea for the book. But I never thought about writing it until um, we had the lockdown and I didn't really have anything to do. So I. I set about writing it, and I'd never written a novel. Uh, as you said in that introduction, I've done plenty of non-fiction, but never done a novel, and it. it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. But uh, it took me about a year, but um, eventually I got it done, and I did the rounds of all the publishers. And Whereas I had no problem getting the non-fiction published in Australia, the fiction, uh, I only found my publisher eventually at the 20th time as of asking, and it's Austin McCauley, an English publisher. So I'm very happy. Mm
0: -hmm. So you had the general sort of idea, but did you get writer's block? Did you at times come to a bit of a dead end, or did you always know what the start, the middle, and the end was going to look like?
1: I thought I had it all summed up from the very first when I started writing it, and I wrote it and very happily looked at my work after about a month and it was about a hundred pages. And I thought, you can't sell a book at a hundred pages. I've got to make more of this book. i have got to have more red herrings and more character development. And I virtually learned from writing, from reading other top authors, how to write and how to extend things and to raise red herrings and then investigate them and discount them and then move on to the next one, you know, as you do with the, with the murder mystery. Um, so it was great fun. It took me a long while and I g- had a lot of help from various people that uh, I respected in the writing game and publishers. And eventually I've got the product there and it's going to be released on the 12th of December here in uh, Brisbane. We've got Mercer Rugby Club are doing a launch for me and Gordon Bray, the rugby commentator, is coming up to MC the function, which I'm very pleased about.
0: When you delve into the different characters, and I'd imagine a lot of them will be within the cricketing community or within that um, yeah, particular uh, tribal group, were there any sort of modern day cricketers and personalities that perhaps you sort of drew a little bit of influence from that you thought, oh, this character here is yeah, he's sort of he's a little bit more David Boone than he is perhaps Mark War.
1: Well, it's funny you should say that, because my hero, the guy who gets assassinated, is called Winston O'Longa. Yep. I got the name from Henry O'Longa. Do you remember him?
0: Yeah, Zimbabwean, wasn't he?
1: That's right. Yeah. The first black man to play for Zimbabwe and the youngest ever. Yep. Wore a black armband to protest against the death of democracy with Andy Flower. Yep. And the two of them got death threats and arrest warrants issued against them, so they fled to England. And now Henry O'Longa lives in Adelaide, so... Quite an interesting quirk, but uh, that was where I drew the inspiration from because my hero is the first black player to play for South Africa. I set the novel in 1995, when the blacks had never been selected, but he becomes the first. And uh, he's a brilliant young player, as you said in that introduction. He's only 18 years of age, and he's set to make 100 in his first Test match at the Gabba. Oh, uh, sorry, at the Sydney Cricket Ground and he gets shot by a high-powered rifle because the gamblers don't want him to make a 100.
0: Mm, do you look at right here? So the gamblers don't want him to make a 100, but do you at any point possibly allude to the fact that this could not actually to do with anything to the gambling but still to do with apartheid?
1: Well, it could, it, you, you could say, you know, that's another red herring, the black and white thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's very much a, a possibility. And, you know, the police investigate the shooting and they they just can't work out why or how or why would anyone want to kill a young cricketer, you know? I mean, it, what happens while they're doing the investigation is there's a couple more killings. Uh, a young singer's killed when she's on stage in Melbourne and the, uh, the premier of Western Australia's nearly shot. The assassin misses. And they're wondering what the hell's going on. They eventually... Arrest three Syrian terrorists who are obviously political in their motivation, but they've got a different calibre weapon, and so they know that it's not the not the one that got uh, my hero Winston no longer. Mm. Uh, so a, it's it's a bit of a who done it type thing, and a bit of fun for me. I mean, the guy who's the hero who tracks down the killer is a sports commentator, come private eye. And, uh, you know, you you use your own experiences. So a lot of my experiences as a commentator and journalist over the years go into the making of the book.
0: When you mention the fact that this investigator is intelligent and good looking, can I suggest that perhaps you drew influence from myself?
1: I didn't say he was good looking. Oh, okay, sorry,
0: sorry Peter. I just <laughs> thought you I, I just thought I must have been in there somewhere, Peter. I must have had you somewhere <laughs> in the forefront hey, of my how, mind, much, how much research did you have to do into match fixing and uh, the way things are done and how it can be done, whether it be at a micro at a macro level?
1: Well, I I love research. Uh, since I started writing books about um twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, um I've had to do a lot of research from the non-fiction books and I found this really fascinating, you know, researching the gambling in cricket, um, you know, the, who, if anyone was ever killed in cricket, you know, like there's been 117 people killed on a cricket field, but most of them are by accidents, you know, heart attack or a stroke or, you know, one or two umpires have been killed by a cricket ball, but nobody's ever been shot with a high-powered rifle as far as I mm. can discern. So yeah, I had a lot of um, I did a lot of research and it was enjoyable. I mean, even researching high-powered rifles to, to come up with a rifle that can kill someone at over a kilometre uh, accurately. Uh, that took a bit of research, and and because it's uh, a distinctive kind of weapon, it makes it easier for the investigators to hunt down the killer because they can they can work out what the, the shell was. From the calibre of the shell and then they can work out what the weapon was and then they can look out for the weapon which they eventually that's how they catch the uh, hitman but it turns out he's just a paid assassin he's not the fellow who wanted uh, the murder done so yeah, it's you, all a bit convoluted
0: Yeah but you don't, you don't, you don't want to give too much away on this show Peter we want people buying the book and reading the book um, now look there was always a bit of a grey area and a bit of conspiracy in around the deaths of Bob Woolmer. Uh, the former Pakistan manager, um, and then Hansi Cronier dying in a plane crash. Did you read much mm. into that? Did that you provide you again um, some insights, yeah. some angles? Was that did that influence um, maybe some of the scenarios? Um, are we allowed to be? Yep. Do you think we're allowed to be a little bit cynical around those two deaths?
1: Yes. I, well, I'm definitely think Hansi wasn't an accident. He's mysteriously died in an aeroplane flight um when he was on his own with the pilot and the two of them died crashing into the mountains and that was you know after he had become involved with bookmakers and we all know the story how mm. he was disgraced and mm. sacked from the south african cricket team as captain uh, it was a tragic story and uh, he was lured by the money obviously um bob Woolmer was a bit different. I don't know a great deal about that, but Jim Maxwell's a mate of mine and he was there when Bob went into his room and locked the door and they banged on the door and he jumped out the window. Um, That, I thought more about Hansi and in fact, in my introductory chapter, I've got the the history of the gambling and how it came into cricket and how Hansi Cronier got involved. Uh, Muhesh Gupta was the Indian who started out... uh, the uh, gambling uh, sites that you could use. I mean, theoretically, gambling on cricket is illegal in India and Pakistan, but uh, everyone does it. You, all you need is a mobile phone. Uh, and so it's interesting. You know, I took a lot of research and perhaps I've made some mistakes, but uh, I hope not. Um, yeah, there's a bit of history there. And one thing I suppose a bit different about the book, Watto, is that I've got some actual cricketers and well-known personalities who are in the book, as well as a lot of fictitious people in the book, and the ones that are, are recognisable, and I've mentioned, I've tried to ask their permission if it's okay for me to use them in the book, and all of them have said yes so far, so I haven't had any problems. But I'm wondering, oh, you, well, you know, well, you'll end up, you'll end I up,
0: you'll end up getting sued if one of them ends up being the assassin or the man who hired the gun for Hire Peter. So. Uh, fingers well, fing, fing, fingers crossed on that one look, just getting back to the corruption thing it's a, bit, a little bit like drugs and sport or drugs and cycling, everybody thinks we get Armstrong and suddenly it shuts down and I'll still say this, I don't think you can win the Tour de France clean, I don't think you can win any of the Grand Tours and cycling yeah. clean. Look, yep, you know th- you th- this um, this um, Corruption in cricket, this match fixing, it hasn't gone away, has it? It's still out there. It's getting harder and harder no, to pick up. But so. and if it's not happening at an international level, it's certainly happening at a level below. I mean, I just look at that entire Indian T twenty cricket league and that just reeks of money laundering and match fixing.
1: Yep, I agree. Um the 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 industry, it is an industry now. There's billions of rupees involved in India and Pakistan and gambling on cricket. They just love the sport, 1.3 billion Indians, and uh, they say that every second person who watches or listens to cricket in the world is Indian. There's so many of them that are cricket fanatics that uh, they're prone to getting involved in a way that is a bit of a flutter and a bit of fun. Uh, it, It starts out as something that's innocent, but probably ends up not being so.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so uh, Peter Mears is my guest on the programme, Australian rugby commentator He's written a number of um, uh, non-fiction books in the past But he's written his first novel, it's called The Long Shot It's a, a cricket sports thriller um, Peter, you're saying it's coming out in December uh, December 12th That's going to be the official launch How will people be able to get a copy of it if they're living here in New Zealand And um, will, will we find it in our local bookshops? Do they have to buy it online? How will they be able to pick up a copy?
1: Okay, I've checked this out and it's available worldwide uh, through Austin McCauley Publishers, who are the people who printed the book for me. But if you don't know them and you're not happy with going to them, you can go to Amazon worldwide and you can either buy the paperback, the hardback, or the e-book. Uh, or you can buy it through Wheelers in New Zealand, uh, Dillix in Australia. Mm. Uh, there's so many, so many books. Any any bookstore should be theoretically able to access the copies of the book, but um, the way publishers are working now, it's difficult to ascertain how many books they're going to, to do in the print run, because they don't want to make a loss, and they sort of fill the market before they send more books out. So, for example, in your case, I wanted a review copy to be sent to you, so... I had to give them your name and the fact that you were interviewing me so they'd send you a review copy. They won't just trust people to do mm. something and send out books willy-nilly. Mm. Uh, the game's getting a bit tougher for the publishers. But um, you know, once you get there, they're very mm. good. They're very helpful. And uh, I've learned a lot about the process of marketing and publicising yeah. the book.
0: Now, I'd imagine that you've probably tested the market. What's the feedback been from those that have read the book without necessarily just pissing in your pocket Peter excuse the language
1: well I've had a couple of people read it and, um, it's interesting really most, most people seem to like it uh, I've had one or two critical comments about uh, the process and you know how the investigator tracks down the, the villains but generally speaking uh, the, the feedback I've had has been pretty good um, if it gets... There's a fellow called Ken Archer If I could digress slightly yep. here You asked me who I'd sent it to And I asked a couple of guys who were publishers And one of them said You should send the, the book to Ken Archer The former test cricketer And I thought, Ken Archer, is he still alive? He was Ron Archer's brother Probably not as famous as Ron Archer Who was an all-rounder in the 50s Ken Archer was, played a couple of tests, uh, was a very good shield cricketer, played for Queensland, and is still alive and very astute. And His recent um, expertise has been in reviewing books. So I rang him and had a chat to him, and he was amazingly spry and youthful and on the ball. So I sent the book to him, and he gave me the best feedback I had from anyone. And he's 91 years of age. Mm, mm. so uh, that was an interesting little uh, sidelight but I'm looking forward to feedback from the public uh, and people like yourself, you know sport backwards so it'll be interesting I'll tell you the one thing I tried to do in the book there have been probably more books written about cricket in the Western world than there have been about any other sport you go to any bookshop and there's heaps and heaps of cricket books but they're all non-fiction so I thought a a novel fictitious book with cricket as the theme might be appealing in a different kind of way and I've I've struggled to read any other books, I've I've found two or three that um, uh, have a theme of cricket I read one the other day, The Rules of Backyard Cricket, which is very good Um, but because it was different I thought I might be able to get uh, a different audience and particularly in India so a lot of the book is based in India uh, and there's a fair bit in South Africa so I mean there there is Australia of course Mm. where the test series takes place that I talk about um, and England of course but um, yeah I'm I'm looking forward to the feedback from the experts, can't wait
0: Okay Peter, if this becomes a success and they decide to turn this into a movie who plays Lucas Fox?
1: Me (laughs) Me I'd be a bit old, mate. No, you'd need someone <laughs> young and spry. I don't know. Who's the best looking young uh, cricketer uh, around? Well, you
0: don't, need to, you don't need to have a cricketer. You've just got to have an actor, don't you? I mean, you could probably, I yeah. don't know, you might get Russell Crowe. He might need to lose a little bit of weight, but Russell might be your guy. I mean, its um, I'm just trying to work out who would play Winston the longer. I mean, there's a lot of uh, very good sort of um, African actors out there, african Americans actors that I'm sure could fill into that role, fall into that role.
1: You know the problem, Watto, is that Actors can't play cricket, and cricketers can't act, as a general rule. And you think about any uh, film or TV series you've seen, like Bodyline, that one about Bradman, and the people who were acting in that. um, I mean, oh, they didn't look convincing cricketers to me.
0: No, no, look, it's always hard. No, it's always, it's always like
1: Invincible, that that uh, book about the uh, South African. Yeah. Mandela's uh, reign and, and South Africa's cricket team and winning the World Cup. The rugby and that was like fourth grade if you were actually any judge of the game. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, look, Peter, um, congratulations, mate. Um, amazing achievement. Um, just another um, feather in your cap looking forward to getting a copy and having a read. Uh we look we will play this we will replay this interview uh, a number of times because I think it is a timeless interview and I think it's fascinating. Hopefully uh the book sells well just before Christmas. Hopefully um it gets turned into a movie and hopefully there's just a wee part in it for me. <laughs>
1: I'll keep a spot for you, mate.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I used to bat at 11, mate, orthodox. Yeah, reasonably orthodox. A little bit better these days. Uh, Peter, as I said, um, look, all the very best, mate, and thank you for joining us on the programme. And again, congratulations. Well done.
1: Thanks, Wadda. I do appreciate the publicity. It's been a great chat. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank
0: you. 21 Minutes After Eight, rugby commentator Peter Mears, who's written um, his first um, fiction thriller. It's called The Long Shot. I'll give you that synopsis one more time. High-stakes gambling, murder and cricket, an unlikely mix. Well, perhaps in the genteel days of games on the Village Green, but not so now. The introduction of sports betting has changed the game for players and fans alike. Millions change hands with every match. As the financial incentives grow, so does the temptation to cheat, perhaps even to commit murder. A brilliant young South African batsman, Winston Alonga, is assassinated in a test match in the Sydney cricket crowd. Enter Lucas Fox, commentator and private eye who witnesses the killing and sets out to find the culprit. Launched in Australia on the 12th of December will be available too, will be available online. Do encourage you to get a copy if you're wanting a cricket book with a slightly different, can I use that cliche, a slightly different spin on it. God, I'm good.